Welcome to Veteran on the Move. If you're a veteran in transition, an entrepreneur wannabe, or someone still stuck in that J-O-B trying to escape, this podcast is dedicated to your success. And now, your host, Joe Crane. Have you heard about the new travel website for the military community? Check out AmericanForcesTravel.com to save money on flights, cars, and hotels, and support your branch of the military at the same time. That's AmericanForcesTravel.com. All right, this is news. We're back talking with Sage. General Drotti, what comes to mind when I say leadership is leadership? You've had a lifetime of opportunity to experience leadership in many different facets of, of life. What's your opinion on leadership? I see leadership as um, something that isn't uh, just relegated to those who wear the cloth or those who are in elected positions, uh, et cetera. But leadership is uh, the, the sine qua non of, uh, of success anywhere. And leadership is, is simply the, uh, the ability uh, to get the job done uh, by taking care of people. And uh, that, uh, I think, captures the essence of leadership. And, of course, there's, you know, volumes of books and videos and so forth on it all. But I I think it really boils down to that, that uh, the leader, uh, in order to be a leader, has to accomplish the task, the mission, the the job that is assigned to him or her, uh, but can't uh, do that through uh, through a series of... uh, uh, a really toxic leadership that we often hear about as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got to be the you know, the positive leadership. There, are people are willing to do the the right thing for the right reasons because of uh of the role that 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 you provide to them in the example. So, those are the things that uh, uh, really come to mind uh, when I hear that leadership is leadership. It is uh, it's required, it's necessary in every walk of life. Uh, you know, our government, our businesses, our our church, uh, the military, of course. Uh, uh, right across the board, uh, we need leaders and, and uh, we need youngsters who are willing to step up into leadership positions and willing to give that a try. That's, uh, I think, what's really critical. Yeah. So when you mentioned leadership is all about taking care of people, um, sometimes from as an outsider looking in from the civilian environment, looking in on, on military leadership, most people that aren't familiar with military leadership um, – would say that or they would be surprised that true, the true essence of leadership is taking care of your people because they, there's this opinion that of, you know military leadership is I'm the first one going up the hill, follow me. And they wouldn't view that as taking care of your people. So I remember as a, as a young second lieutenant, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think I really understood that in the beginning. The Marine Corps definitely taught me that and I understand it now. But in the beginning, I don't, I was, I didn't realize that. What, you go back to your Naval Academy days and your first experiences with true military leadership, and and touch on when did it, when did leadership become? When were you aware that leadership was really about taking care of your people? Joe, I have to say that um, that was very much uh, as I became more experienced with the good officers. Uh, of course, the, the initial stages at the Naval Academy, there's lots of screaming and hollering with the pleep summer business. And, you know, that's that's not so much leadership as it is uh, just screaming and hollering. <laughs> uh, 
but uh, but later on, the the, the thoughtful uh, individuals, the the leaders who who I admired that I respected, were were those who uh, who knew what they were doing, and who seemed to give a damn about me as part of that team, as part of that that effort. And uh, so the uh, the image that some people have of the military leader of it's all about me and and uh, and the hell with you. Uh, I think it's been fostered by Hollywood, unfortunately, and, uh, you know, tales of one time, kind of or another that, uh, but those are aberrations. I, I, I've seen very few leaders that exhibit that kind of toxic uh, leadership that uh, 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 you just described. And would you say leadership in the military is different from leadership in other capacities you've been in? Uh, I think the uh, tenets are the same. Uh, again, I, I get back to the simplistic uh, statement of uh, get the job done and take care of your people. The uh, the rewards and punishments are certainly different, and the conditions uh, under which leadership is exhibited are going to be uh, much different. Uh, the arduous conditions of combat are certainly different from those of the boardrooms uh, in business or the, uh, the churches or the offices of elected officials. But nevertheless, it still gets down to... Uh, uh, are you capable of getting done what has to mm-hmm. be done in a good, honorable way? Uh, and are you taking care of the people who are necessary uh, to get that job done? The very few leaders accomplish it all through themselves. They accomplish yeah. their mission through people. And that's, uh, I think, the key. And how many do you find that, uh, uh, in my opinion, the military is the best leadership training grounds that you could ask for. I don't think any organization out there has the ability to put that much emphasis on leadership as the military does. And we have schools that are completely focused on training people to be good leaders. Everything's about leadership and being responsible for what your people do or fail to do. In the civilian sector, if you fail to make money, if you fail to make your sales quotas, those kinds of things. Those are, those are the, the, the metrics of success. Whereas in the military, it's all about leadership. I mean, so much emphasis on leadership, you almost get tired of hearing it. And w- having gone from the military into a couple different civilian jobs, what would you say is the difference between military leadership and civilian leadership would be? Again, the uh, the principles I believe are the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just the conditions and um, uh, the rewards, the punishments, uh, the risks, the uh, uh, conclusions, the consequences uh, make the big difference there. But let, let me share a story with you. When I was uh, in the process of interviewing for a USAA, um, went down to San Antonio and, and uh, just a marathon of interviews with all kinds of folks. And uh, what impressed me so much, a little plug for USAA, was the quality of people that were there, the, the really, uh, the smiles and the good mornings to, to a yes. complete stranger. I mean, it just uh, was uh, so impressive. So the last interview of the day was to the head of the property and casualty division of USAA, which is the flagship of the organization, you know, auto insurance, home insurance, mm-hmm. uh, the claims, all the rest of that. And so... Um, he was a, an old, crusty, retired Air Force Brigadier General, uh, Charlie Bishop. And so I sat down and we did what I call the sniff test, you know, the nicey, nice things. And so he then stops and he looks at me and says, uh, okay, Drowdy, 
what do you know about insurance? And I thought to myself, you know, God gives you some amazing opportunities to make a fool of yourself. But I think I'll pass on this one. So I looked, <laughs> looked back at Charlie and I said, well, Charlie, I know two things about insurance. And he looked at me and says, okay, what are they? I said, first of all, you pay your premiums. And secondly, you avoid accidents. And there was a stunned silence. And he looked at me like I had two heads and his eyes got like saucers and his fist came slamming down on the desk. And I thought, well, I guess I don't have much of a future. <laughs> but he then said, what a great answer. What a great answer. You don't know a damn thing about insurance. But that's okay. We have experts here who know a great deal about insurance. But we put experts on tap, not on top. We put leaders on top. And the notion there was you have a leader who takes these experts and gets them in step with one another in order, again, to get the job accomplished, but also in that process to develop in the, those leadership that spirit, that, that esprit, that, that feeling of, gee, we're, we're really special. We, we do good things, you know, for the right reasons. And, and we have not just each other, but a boss who cares about us. You know, we, we just simply can't be beat. And so, uh, again, is that leadership uh, in both lead, uh, the military as well as civilian? I, I think so. And, and you, know, you, could, you could parse it out maybe differently, but I just never got to that point. To me, it was fairly, again, straightforward. Get the job done and take care of your troops. Absolutely. Oh, I love that. That was a great story. Hey, it's a good, good spot. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Hey, veteran entrepreneurs. Here's a new website for your toolkit that can save you money on travel. Plus... Support your military community at the same time. AmericanForcesTravel.com is a DoD partnership with Priceline. Active duty, reserve, veterans, and more can use this restricted website. You'll save money on flights, cars, and hotels. On top of that, travel company commissions go to your service branch to be reinvested into your military community. So check out AmericanForcesTravel.com and see for yourself. That's AmericanForcesTravel.com. So Sage, I love that story about your USAA interview. Um, I even remember that from back. You talked about that back in 2011 when you came to speak to us at uh, Command General Staff College at Fort Leavenworth. So I'm, I'm glad we got that that story out of you again. Uh, interesting. We put experts on tap. We put leaders leaders on top, and I want to touch on that a little bit because. This is one of the problems I experienced with going into this entrepreneurship game was there's a lot of things I was not an expert at. I knew I wanted to be involved in entrepreneurship. I knew I wanted to run my own business. But there's a lot of things I didn't know. Now, there's some things I could learn quickly and out of sheer motivation. But there's some things that not only couldn't could I not really learn them very well, even if I did, those were things I really shouldn't be spending my time doing. And for me, it was things like bookkeeping, accounting, certain marketing type stuff. The list goes on. That's one of the problems I see when veterans get out of the military and they, they go into entrepreneurship, trying to run their own business. 
They think they need to be an expert at any at everything. And the fact is, not only do they not need to, their business is going to be better off if they're not. And they don't spend their time doing those things. And trying to convey that, you almost some some folks take the advice or 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 uh, figure it out on their own. And sometimes it takes somebody else telling that telling them, "Hey, look, you need to quit doing your own books. You need to quit spending your time doing that. Quit spending your time doing that. You're the entrepreneur. This is your business. You need to lead. You need to be worried about the big blue arrow and where things are going, not." the intimate details and in, in getting bogged down in the small stuff. As far as leadership goes, have you ever struggled with that either in the military or in your civilian job where you found yourself getting so consumed with the day-to-day mundane operations that you forgot you were supposed to be leading the charge? No, I, I honestly can say uh, I, I didn't, probably because I never got that far into the, the details on so many things. Although, uh, while I was at USA, I took classes on, on insurance, on marketing, the things that I was responsible for, because uh, I wanted to know the things I was responsible for better, better than mm-hmm. I did beforehand. But it also had the bonus effect that uh, the people I was privileged to lead also had that... Uh, uh, sensation that here's a guy, you know, this old beat up general who's, who's taking classes because he wants to, to know better, you know, the things that, that he's leading us about. So it, it had that, that bonus effect that I cared enough about them and what they were doing to have a better idea of what, what worked, what didn't work and, and so forth. So I, I think that's, that's critical, but you know, there's, uh, I think such a temptation for those in the military when they get out to say, gee, w- what am I good at? I was, uh, fill in the blank, but you know, there's not much call for that. And as an infantryman, I mean, the, 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 there's not much call for, for a guy who's good at, uh, you know, destroying things and, and uh, killing people uh, other than, you know, some nefarious uh, uh, positions. But what, what did I have to offer? And the, and the answer was leadership. It wasn't the, the, the tools of, of that profession, but it was the ability to, to direct, to inspire, to, uh, to motivate, to, uh, to guide to, to correct those who were carrying out the orders that I was coming up with and uh, and in that process to ensure that they felt that they uh, were being taken care of, that they had a leader, you know, worthy of, of their, of their lives uh, in the, uh, in the most dramatic sense. So with that experience that the military member b- brings, uh, that's a tremendous asset and should be a tremendous source of confidence in the entrepreneurship of, of, you know, they have been in some tough times. They've been in some tough situations, uh, literally life and death situations, and have survived. Their instincts are good. They, they have good judgment. And so they can bring that to bear with the understanding that few things are going to work the first time out. There's going to be errors. There's going to be mistakes. But, but again, as we talked in the earlier session, you just don't give up. You just, you know, keep plugging away and hanging in there and never lose confidence in yourself and your own leadership abilities. Yeah, I would say that the true essence of leadership, the 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 Mac Daddy leadership experience, is leadership in in the infantry. One could argue maybe special forces, but that's still leadership in in the, the infantry, so to speak. Because you're going to be faced with 
the most difficult conditions. You, you are faced with life and death decisions, life and death experiences, cold, wet, tired, hungry. You still have to stay motivated. You still have to get your people to follow you. So that's the, the ultimate leadership experience, ultimate leadership training ground would be whatever job you may have in the infantry. Now, I've heard this many times from folks, military guys transitioning out of the military. They might have been in the infantry. They might have been in some other combat arms that doesn't quite extrapolate to a specific civilian job. And, and they cut themselves short. They think, well, all I did was that, and there's nothing like that in the civilian sector, so I don't really have much. What they tend to do is they focus on hard skills, like, oh, I, I need to go get an accounting degree so I can be an accountant, or I need to go get my MBA so I can be a manager at a, at a company, or I need to get Microsoft certification so I can go get a job in IT. And and all that's valid. And, and there's a lot of civilian companies that only judge veterans based off their hard skills. And what they're missing, the veterans themselves and these companies, they they fail to see the soft skills. And leadership is one of the most important soft skills that you can have. And it, it's tough to put it on a resume. It's tough to put it, uh, tough to put your finger on it. But without it, most organizations will fail. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more that, uh, that again, the sine qua non of success is uh, that culture established by that leader. And uh, part of it is, is to know uh, what you don't know and then what's your next step. And, and for many people, the next step is to then delve down into what they do know and to start to become a micromanager. Uh, I'm reading a book right now called The Generals by Tom Ricks. And it's about the generalship in Vietnam. And, and so often the generals there, because they weren't thinking strategically, but only tactically, they reverted to what they knew tactically. So you'd have a, a platoon or a company in combat, and overhead was literally the chain of command, the battalion commander in a helicopter, above him the brigade commander in a helicopter, and above him the division commander in a helicopter, all issuing orders to this poor company commander because that's that's what they knew how to do as, instead of, of doing what they should have been doing, and that is running battalions and brigades and divisions. So I think there's a, there's usefulness and not seeing yourself as uh, the absolute expert in so many of uh, these aspects. The other, just a, a quick story, uh, I had a chance to, to meet uh, the widow of a, a General uh, Schwarzkopf here in Tampa, hmm. and I shared with her what a hero General Schwarzkopf was to us Marines in Desert Storm because he exhibited one of the greatest leadership traits that I've ever seen, and that was he left us alone. Mm. He gave the Marines a mission. We changed the plan a half a dozen times because of changing conditions. He never balked, never faltered, never said, what the hell are you guys doing? Make up your mind, be decisive. Never, ever stepped in. There's always, if you need anything, let me know. Otherwise, I'm going to leave you alone. And with it came the success that we enjoyed because we had a boss who didn't meddle, who didn't feel it was necessary to show his importance by getting down into our business, but rather had special trust and confidence in us that we knew what we were doing and therefore let us do well what we could do well. That's amazing. I remember... 
Desert Storm for me was I was literally a brand new boot second lieutenant watching the war on TV, watching it all from afar. And I actually read Schwarzkopf's book after he came out with it after Desert Storm. And I definitely picked up on the fact that he he was the head guy. He was in charge. And he empowered the the subordinates below him to, to do their job. And he supported them when they did it and made the, made their own decisions. Yeah, he was a little less um, hands-off with the Army. Uh, but but uh, you, we can understand that. And there, there's a service aspect that mm-hmm. that is uh, involved with all of that. But but for us as Marines, uh, we couldn't have we could not have had a, a better sink. That's for sure. Yeah. So, what kind of things come to mind when when you think of the great leaders you've had a, the experience to to work with or to work for or or to have working for you? What kind of characteristics and traits make up a great leader? The first one is integrity. Uh, that this is an individual that that I can trust because uh, he or she is uh, someone who knows right from wrong, right from right, and we'll, we'll talk about that later, but is a person of uh, morals and ethics uh, who is a, a genuinely good person and therefore uh, someone that I can trust is not going to lie, is not going to take advantage of me, is not going to misuse my troops, uh, uh, any of those things that, that would sometimes come to mind. Uh, second is, of uh, course, that they, they know what they're doing, uh, and that has to be the case that this is not an amateur uh, endeavor and you have to have professionals and the professionals are those who've gone through the experience and the hard knocks and, and have learned in many cases the hard way about how to get things accomplished. Uh, the third is um, certainly a, a physical um, stamina uh, because it's so easy, easy to get worn down as a leader. So many things that are happening and the good leaders are those who who realized what their limitations were and didn't try to be a 24-7 type leader where they're just uh, driving themselves uh, you know, into the deck because of lack of sleep, uh, making bad decisions, et cetera. And a talk that I once gave on combat leadership addressed that of, of uh, fatigue and how, how important it is to recognize that in, in combat leadership. Um, and I guess another is the ability to, com- to communicate. Uh, and that communication being, uh, you know, the, the, the quiet steadiness, um, I, I, I never thought the leadership was uh, directly related to, to volume of the voice. <laughs> and and uh, people were screaming and hollering when they, as, as my, my wife, a great teacher, once told me, if you start off screaming and hollering, where do you go from there? You know, <laughs> hitting and kicking, you know, that, that's not leadership. That's right. assault. You know? And that's not teaching that that's assault. So, uh, I guess that, uh, one time I read a, a poem is called the song of the camp, uh, is about the Crimean war. And the last stanza I thought was so telling and, and it reads the bravest are the tenderest, the loving are the daring. And it, and it struck me as a young midshipman that I didn't have to be a screamer or a holler or, or somebody who had to smoke smelly cigars or get drink, drunk a lot to, to be a, a, a successful Marine officer. I could be myself. And, and myself was that, that, that different uh, kind of prototype that I rarely re- raised my voice and it used to drive other lieutenants crazy. How could I get things done without screaming and hollering? Well, because when you keep your voice low, 
the troops strain to hear what you have to say because you may be saying something that's important <laughs> that they may need to know. But but that that uh, I guess that uh, quiet confidence that comes from an individual who who acts uh, with uh, quiet confidence uh, certainly made an impact on me. Uh, quick quick C story. Uh, uh, General, uh, then Colonel Petros, CEO of the Seventh Marines, Operation Starlight, uh, landed. Uh, he's in head of the uh, head of the whole task force. So he had battalions that were not part of the Seventh Marines, but he was a task force commander. And the things were not going well. And, and uh, one of his staff officers told me the story that he's called in a quick meeting, and people are jumping up and down like uh, little kids on on Christmas morning. You know, General, uh, Colonel, Colonel, you and 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 Colonel Petros with his beautiful Arkansas accent. It says, hush, 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 hush. <laughs> just everybody just, just hush down and let me figure out a way to get myself out of this mess that I got myself into. Now think about that. Yeah. Not the mess you got me into, how I get myself out of this mess I got myself into. And with that, it just calmed everybody down to say, okay, here's what you need to know. Here's what the recommendation. I mean, a good commander, but just that, that, that quiet confidence that is so necessary, especially when when uh, there's a lack of it. Absolutely. Well, hey, General, sage advice once again, uh, all aspects of leadership and, and some great sea stories. So thank you for sharing those with you. And uh, that'll, be, that'll be a wrap for this episode. So at this time, these two veterans are Oscar Mike. Thank you for listening to Veteran on the Move, your pathfinder to freedom. If you like the show, leave us a review on iTunes. Reviews are always greatly appreciated. So until next time, this veteran is Oscar Mike. <laughs>